0: All Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So today we have a, a very exciting founder. Uh, I think that we're going to be learning quite a bit on the whole process of building and scaling companies. Uh, but I think that without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest so that we don't lose more time without him. So, Michael Katz, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here.
0: So originally born and raised where, Michael?
1: outside of Boston, Massachusetts. So I am a die-hard Boston sports
0: fan. Very cool. Very cool. And how did you how did you I mean how was life growing up there? Uh, life growing up uh, you know, outside of Boston was
1: was good. Um I think I had a pretty normal childhood, played a lot of sports with the neighborhood kids. Uh my brother and I are about 2 years apart. We've always been really close. You know i was the one rounding up uh rounding up the the neighborhood kids to go play basketball or football and he was teaching himself how to, how to how to code on our family computer and so you know while we were while we were close we were also pretty different and that served us pretty well as we've started a couple of companies successfully together
0: very nice very nice and and what got you into the whole world of of finance because you went to syracuse university and and that's what you studied
1: uh yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do or what i wanted to to study um you know, I think a lot of people they grow up with visions of themselves doing something or being something, and admittedly, I just never really thought about that kind of stuff uh when i was a when I was a kid, I enjoyed being a kid and uh you know got to college and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but was always interested in in business. And so I picked uh, picked two majors, a little bit of a hedge, uh, but ended up graduating with two degrees, one in finance and, and one in economics. And I felt like, you know, one of those would, would serve me well. And, um, you know, I think in in hindsight, it was probably more of the, the degree in economics that has served me better over the course of my career. But um, it's also good to understand the, the the basics of of finance, having taken a company public. And you know, as as we're now in year seven of uh, M Particle, thinking about what the future holds for, for us, um, you know, being able to to understand the public markets. And, uh, um, yeah, just, you know, it's, it's been, it's been great.
0: So, so in your case, why did you go after consulting? Um, you know, I, I also, you know, similar to why
1: I chose finance, I I felt like consulting would serve as a really strong foundation for whatever I would want to do next. Um, I always knew I was going to do something entrepreneurial. I just didn't know necessarily what that would mean when. How, why, where you know any any of it, and so I felt like working at a at a bigger company uh, such as Accenture, uh, when I actually got there, it was still Anderson Consulting and then it rebranded to Accenture. um but felt like working at a place like Accenture, I could learn what great looks like um and I would say that you know i i I would credit the time that I spent there to, you know, working with some great people, working on some really interesting um, uh, projects back in the day. And I think the biggest takeaway from working at a at, at a company like Accenture was just the, the commitment to producing high quality work and treating everything as if it's a, a, a customer deliverable. And, you know, I, I know from having a bunch of friends that uh, pursued entre- entrepreneurial things without ever having worked for a bigger company. You know, I think it's it's tough to understand what, what good looks like or what great looks like um, without having ever done it. And so I felt like, you know, for me, the big thing was just building the right muscle memory and, and developing some good habits before kind of branching out onto my own.
0: And you did branch out on your own, but in this case, you know, in the company of your brother. So how did that happen? yeah well you know we've we've always been always been
1: close and i think our skill sets are are complementary he's um he's the technical one with a strong business background and i'm you know i have a you know i'm the i'm the business guy and you know i'd like to think that i'm you know technical enough um and so in that venn diagram there's you know there's there's a little bit of overlap but it's it's mostly complementary and so after leaving Accenture, I was uh, I, w- I was presented an opportunity by one of my friends, and that became the basis for what became my last company. And you know, along the along the way, I convinced my brother to leave his job and to uh, to help me build this thing out. And you know, made him you know made him a co founder. And you know, we had a we had a really great run together. And I think. You know, a lot of what our, uh, our father uh, instilled in us in terms of, you know, getting along and, 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 you know, really prioritizing family and being respectful and working out our differences and all that stuff served as a really strong foundation for, for a lot of our success. Um, not only in that first company, but, you know, all the way to
0: current day. Got it. Because how many companies have you guys done now together?
1: Uh, we've done, I mean, two, two companies that really materialized into like, um, into real enterprises. And then there was, you know, there was a, you know, maybe one or two other ones where, you know, we kicked around some ideas. Um, so I'd say, I'd say two, two and a half.
0: Because typically, you know, doing business with family is not easy. Uh, and you know, like there's like books, like the founder's dilemma of Noam Wasserman where where he goes into detail. But obviously in your guys' case, you know, it has pan out well and, and you're talking about like the good relationship that you guys, you know, have always had. But but I guess, you know, like how do you materialize that, you know, let's say, relationship that you had as family members into being able to really transition that into business and be equally, you know, successful in terms of having a healthy relationship? How 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 did you guys manage to do that? Yeah, it's
1: a good it's a good question. Um, you know, I think for for us, it was about treating the businesses not as family businesses, right? But but really thinking about how do we build something that can that can scale, right? And so I think you know, part of it is, you know, I I don't think that this is limited to to myself and and my brother Andrew. You know, I think it's it's required in any business, uh, putting ego aside, right? I think we. Both come to the table with some some really strong opinions on on the way that things need to be run and what needs to happen in, in order to ensure success and like we don't we don't always agree on on everything but you know we have we've taken this um, you know this approach really since day one that as long as we're talking through anything there's nothing that that will kind of get in our way and then I think the other thing that we've done you know, since he's the he's the CTO, I'm the CEO. We've made it a point to um, to hire really strong heads of product. So we had an, an incredible head of product at Interclick. We have uh, an awesome head of product at at M Particle, and they're effectively the the arbiter between you know the business side and the and the engineering side. And that also helps us, you know, uh, get to kind of whatever resolution or you know, get through whatever decision-making process um, we're trying to get through.
0: So what was the name of this first company that you guys started? Um, It was called Interclick,
1: and it was in the advertising technology space. And we started it in the mid-2000s, and what made us unique and differentiated was we built this, um, this incredible data platform that could ingest data from a variety of Sources and and, and um, systems and a lot of the innovation was around um, breaking down data silos and a lot of this ended up serving as the the basis for for what we're doing at Imparticle. The big difference was, you know, it was tied to a fundamentally different business model. So the first company was was an ad network, and so when we built out our data platform, it was effectively a bigger. Better, smarter brain that allowed us to do more with uh, with data and to do it faster. And you know, uh, in two thousand nine, when we launched the platform, we were doing about twenty million in revenue with about twenty salespeople. Fast forward two years, two thousand eleven, the year that we got acquired by Yahoo, we were on pace to do one hundred and fifty million in revenue with twenty two salespeople. So. A uh, lot of uh, lot of growth as a result of the investments that we made in this in this data platform. So it was a it was an incredible ride. I I, I learned a ton about um, the entrepreneurial journey. We had an incredible team. Um, I think we built an awesome culture, and I think we we nailed the
0: timing. So you know, I can't... and in this case, in this case, you guys took the company public. We did. So, um... So, so how old were you when, when it went public? Uh, I, man, I,
1: I forget exactly how old I was. I was in my mid-20s. I know there was one year where I was the youngest CEO on NASDAQ. So I want to say I was probably <laughs> 26 or so. Um, That's amazing. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. More fun needs- to
1: say than it was to do.
0: <laughs> and, and let me ask you this. So, so the company got acquired by Yahoo. And yes. uh, so, so tell us about this process. Why, I mean, it seems that you guys were doing a very good job. There was very nice growth. Why did you guys make the decision to to go at it, you know, and, and get the company acquired?
1: Well, ultimately it was about, um, you know, being able to to realize our vision uh, faster with, with more resources, or at least that was the, that was the premise. So we had grown considerably, um, we had built what I what I believe is was you know best in class technology. It was it was pretty ahead of its time. I would say if we put out that platform today, it would still probably be uh, an industry leading solution. Um, just to give you a sense of kind of how advanced we were doing those things eleven years ago, um, and Yahoo came to us and said, you know, hey, we love. Love what you're doing. They were a partner of ours, so they had you know a pretty good look into how much business we were doing together and how uh, how we had scaled over the previous handful of years of of working together. And you know, the thesis from their standpoint was uh, uh, taking a lot of the best in class data capabilities that, that we had built, leveraging all of the data that that they create as a result of users engaging with you know, all their different, um, properties and applying that to their personalization and, and ad targeting products, which at the time had started to become a little bit outdated or, or antiquated and uh, uh, you know, taking one plus one and hoping that it would equal three. Um, and you know, I think. I think the, the, the spirit of the thesis was, was right. I think the timing was, was good. There was an incredible team over there that we were really excited about working with. And, um, and then we got over there and uh, there was five CEOs over the course of, of a year. And needless to say, the, um, the thesis never materialized and the opportunity never really materialized. And then, and then we left and we started Particle.
0: Very cool. And what were the terms of the acquisition?
1: Uh, so they bought us for a little under three hundred million dollars. Wow. I mean,
0: that's quite a quite a run. And did you guys raise any money for this business?
1: Yeah. So we we actually bootstrapped Interclick in the early days. So we started really with a with a check from my friend's father. And as he was handing it to to me to start the business and it was it was a twenty-five thousand dollar check, um, which I think for me at that time was like the most money I'd ever seen at at one point. And you know, so he's handing me the check and then he pulls it back and says, Make it last because I'm not writing another one. Okay. <laughs> oh okay. uh, yeah, I can I can do that. I didn't know I didn't know what I was signing up for. It was just, you know, so okay. kinda had a roll with what I said I was going to do, and uh, we made it work. We got we got really profitable really quickly. Um, you know, albeit a very different point in time. the The advertising, the digital advertising ecosystem was much more of the kind of wild, wild west, and still very relationship oriented, and and it predated a lot of the programmatic um, uh, revolution. And so it's just a you know a, a lot of hustle, and you know we we got to a point I think within ninety days where we had a million dollars in the in the bank and felt like we had we had made it. Um, and so we just you know we bootstrapped for the next few years, and then um, you know we had uh, I had a conversation with with my co-founder whose uh, whose father put in the money, and you know, he wanted to. He wanted to try to sell and I wanted to keep going. And so we found a way to recapitalize the business and we found some investors that were willing to do that and um, get him out and put some money on the balance sheet. And it wasn't, it wasn't a ton of money, but it was a few million bucks and that was a few million more than we ever had in the, in the past. And we took that, you know, all the way to to the point where we um, ended up listing on, on NASDAQ and then we did a, you know, a, a, Kind of quote unquote real i p o um, but it was still pretty modest um you know we we only ended up raising you know right around twenty million dollars to 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 be invested into the company and um you know we uh, at that point though we were already you know hyper profitable so uh it was you know it was a, a great lesson that I think built the the right muscle memory in terms of being really disciplined about how we, how we think about capital allocation and investment in, in growth. And I would say it's, you know, it's it's interesting because I think we've done it almost the exact opposite at, at M particle. You know, we raised a a really large seed round here, um, about $9 million in before, before we even launched the, the product.
0: um, Uh, And we'll we'll talk about, and we'll talk about about M Particle and and then also the um you know the round. But but I guess before getting into the details of the round, let's talk about like so. Here you guys are at you know like the business has been acquired by Yahoo, uh, and obviously you're not as excited with all the changes with CEOs and everything. And probably you guys started to think, hey, maybe maybe there's something else that we could be doing here. And 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 tell us about that process until you said, hey, let's let's go at it. Let's do it with M Particle.
1: I mean, you know, it's it as an entrepreneur, you're always looking at the world and saying, uh, you know, where's the opportunity? What what needs improvement? You know, I I do fundamentally believe that, you know, for for anybody out there listening, if you have entrepreneurial aspirations, you have to start with the problem, right? You have to identify uh, a problem and, and a need. And and then you start working on the solution. Anytime you're you're, you're you're building a solution looking for a problem that typically doesn't go well um, and so for for me I was I was at Yahoo running a large product team focused on analytics and and optimization and anytime I had any questions as as it related to user insights across channels so at that point mobile mobile apps had just started to become a, a thing and you started to see in 2012, um, the mobile consumption cross that of, of, of web consumption or, or desktop consumption. And, you know, leading up to that point, the ongoing joke within the industry was that, you know, is this the year of mobile? Is this the year of mobile? And it was, you know, that, you know, kind of repeat joke for, for, for six or seven straight years. And then, and then it finally happened. And a lot of people weren't ready, but you know, I, I saw it relatively early because anytime I had any of these questions, nobody had any answers. And it felt like anytime we were we were talking about uh mobile usage or cross platform usage, that there was just there was no way to get good answers other than having to submit a ticket to the help desk and then I'd get an answer, you know, two weeks later. And it was like well i stopped I stopped caring about that about thirteen days ago, so i'm on to I'm on to the next and um, for me, I took note of that because it felt like you know you had this really exciting platform shift, um, but you had really no infrastructure and having just gone through you know this ecosystem um, explosion where in the early days of uh, digital advertising—you had, you know, very direct paths between buyers and sellers, and then you had fragmentation and a number of exits, and then you have more specialization and then integration along like the the data supply chain. Our bet on on Mparticle was really based on everything that we had seen at Yahoo and uh, and, and and leading up to the acquisition where you know, you have, you know, these rapidly evolving ecosystems and, you know, what happens in those opportunities or in those instances where opportunity gets created. And
0: we felt like if anybody was going to do it, why not, why not be us? So then in this case, why did you go with uh, raising so much money? I mean, you know, like on the other operation, You guys were really bootstrapping and being very careful, you know, like as you were, you know, thinking about growth and and investment allocations, you were describing. But here, you know, like you just went at it right away, you know, like with funding and and you guys have raised quite a bit. So how much capital have you guys raised to date?
1: So today we've raised one hundred and twenty one million dollars. Yeah, we've we've definitely done it completely different I don't I don't know if there's a there's a right way <clears throat> or wrong way to to do it um, you know I think for for us here we've had a had a really big vision since since day one um, and that was to provide brands with modern data infrastructure that could you know accommodate you know, a number of a number of things right so the changing consumer landscape in terms of uh, people interacting with more consumer touch points across more screens and devices than than ever before. Um, and then also you know accommodate on the on the flip side the the growing need to address um, the personalization and privacy trade off. and so building for you know lots of lots of scenarios around activation and then and then privacy. Meant that there was going to have to be a lot of technology built, and so we started the company really with our ten best engineers from our from our previous company, and it was like let's just let's just go. And so we built, and we built, and we we stayed heads down really for the first couple of years, and then we finally got into market really about yeah you know, twenty months later, and you know, fast forward to. Couple months, and we started to to, to close business, and you know, we haven't haven't really looked back since. And it's been it's been an incredible ride. But I never felt like at my first company we had the opportunity in in front of us where we could go out and build a category, lead the category, and transform the way that people were doing things. We were always just part of an an existing set of of solutions, and it was about being incrementally better than the than the next guy. Um, whereas this is, you know, it's 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 effectively greenfield, and we're solving some some really universal challenges that I think every company in the world faces.
0: And I've heard you talk about culture, uh, also, uh, especially as well with the with the previous company with Interclick. So, so how do you think about culture, and how are you guys building the culture for MParticle? Yeah, so.
1: It, um, at Interclick, I think we ended up building a great culture somewhat by happenstance. We just hired a bunch of great people, and the culture came together. and um, we were really fortunate. So you know, I think, I think this time around, while we were doing our our retrospective on on Interclick and thinking about what what were the things that really made us special and, and, and unique, I, I wrote a post on the, I think it was like the 15 things that helped us build a, a $270 million company. And so I started thinking about culture through the lens of this, this thing that could be purposely created. Um, and you know, for, for us, it was like, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to do a different next time around. And so one of the first things that we did as we, as we started the company was not only start thinking about what are the, what are the product features that, that we need? What is the, what is like the brand identity going to be? But, you know, ultimately what is the, what's the culture that, that we want? Um, and so we set out to identify a number of, of values by which, you know, as we hired more people, throughout the organization, we looked to make sure that these people, you know, exuded these types of of values, um, because ultimately the values are the, are the DNA of the, of the team and the team, the collective personality of the, of the team is essentially the culture. So you can, you can start to shape these things through your hiring practices, through your compensation plans. Through your uh, communication protocols, um, and that ultimately becomes the the culture. And so, you know, we set out to you know, create a, a culture of, of extreme ownership and, and accountability in the in the early days, and I think that served us really well to to make sure that you know we would come out on the other side, you know, not only just alive, um, but you know, alive and and, and thriving, but. You know I think then you also have to continue to evaluate your your culture your your needs change uh, as you as you as you grow. you know in in the early days, it's really about you know how do i how do I ensure kind of my basic needs are are met, right? Um, but you get to kind of where we're at now one hundred and fifty people or so, and it's not just about ensuring survival anymore. Um, it's about things like psychological safety and, and creating a work environment where, where people can do their best work, but they can, they, you know, they, they're also motivated to collaborate, um, with, with others and play nice in the, in the sandbox and treat people with respect while also eliminating, you know, the fear and anger that can come with, you know, the stress of, of growth and the uncertainty of you know building and leading new new categories and you know i think the thing that we've seen over the past year or so is that you know as as companies grow and they get you know to that 150 person mark and they start thinking about moving out of that startup mentality into more of like you know mid-sized company and um, ultimately to to become a, a large independent company, you have to you have to look at the things that are happening within the org that ultimately can prevent innovation because you know, innovation is obviously the the precursor to growth, but nobody does their best work when you know they're operating under a sense of of fear or or anger or they're under kind of extreme extreme stress. Um, and so Those are the things that that we've been really focused on over the past, I don't know, call it 12 months or so.
0: Very cool. And obviously for you guys, uh, and and also for you, what a a ride, eh? what an entrepreneurial journey. I mean, I guess, you know, like one of the questions that I typically ask the guests that come on the show is, if you had, uh, Michael, the opportunity to go back in time and have a chat with your younger self uh, and, and really be able to give that younger self one piece of business advice before launching a business? What would that be and why, knowing what you know now? Oh, man,
1: that's that's tough. I always, you know, I get, I get asked that question a lot. Um, you know, I think, I, I don't know if I would go back and, and tell my younger self anything because I think it's all part of the, it's all part of the journey, right? Um, I think in order to, to, to experience growth, um, as a, as a business, you have to experience growth as, as an individual, right. And there's, uh, a bunch of different reasons why growth happens, right. Some, some people are intrinsically motivated. Some people do it out of maybe it's fear or necessity, or, you know, you go through a tough time and you have to kind of figure out, you know, how am I going to get through this? And it really forces you to become Introspective, you know. I I think for for me, you know, we've we've had two incredible rides so far. Um, but obviously, you know, the the entrepreneurial journey is is not always easy, um, and you have to embrace you have to embrace the the good and the bad. Um, and so, if I were to go back in time and you know try to short circuit that opportunity for growth. Um, to a younger me, I'm not sure that I would end up in the, in the same spot. So I would say, you know, maybe if, if you're looking for like a concrete answer, you know, embrace all of it. And, you know, you gotta, I I tell the team, like, you gotta keep growing in order to keep going. Um, So don't, don't ever become complacent, you know, and especially in, in today's time where, you know, you have things like coronavirus, you know, kind of uh, dominating the, the headlines and you have uh, lots of venture capitalists posting about economic uncertainty and potential downturns and what that means in terms of hiring and cutting spend. You know, I, I think like, you know, the, the the thing that has served me really well over the past number of years has been to just continue to invest in my own personal well-being um, whether it's like physical or and or mental um, you know so I'm I'm doing I'm working out more than than ever and I've always kind of been um, really active but you know combining that with meditation and and reading a lot more and just continuing to to hone my craft I mean you kind of have to be obsessed with with what you're doing um, but that doesn't i don't know that doesn't always come easy for for everybody sometimes people have to be kind of forced into that so just just enjoy it all I love it I
0: love it so Michael for the folks that are listening what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi uh,
1: they can email me um, mcats at mparticle.com. happy to to email with 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 people I typically don't pick up uh, Phone numbers from numbers I don't recognize, primarily because I get about a thousand spam calls per day. Um, and I'm also pretty active on, uh, on Twitter, MCATS0630. So um, yeah, feel free to reach out. We'd love to connect.
0: Amazing. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker show today. Anytime, man. This is awesome. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic.